Welcome to the seventh episode of All Things Reform Podcast. And today we look at Grace Alone. This is our third solar of the Protestant Reformation as we continue to make our way through the five solars of the Reformation of the Protestant Reformation. So far, which ones have we looked at? We have looked at Scripture alone. We have looked at Christ alone. And now we look at grace alone. Right. Welcome, Pastor Confex. My name is Zichunga. And uh, today we look at the third sola, grace alone, sola gratia. What would be a great place to start from? A good place to start from is Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 8 to 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one may boast. A good point here to start with. And here what the scripture is reminding us is that there is nothing that you and me can do to earn God's salvation. None of us can reach a stage where we are savable, if we are to use that word, if such a word exists in English. None of us can reach a savable point. It has to be God in his mercy and grace coming down to a sinner who is dead in his sin, who doesn't care anything about God, who is living in rebellion against God, and God comes down to this sinner, a rebellious person, and say, I want to save you to be my child. I want to save you to myself. And really, that is by grace. And as we are talking about grace, it is very important to remember that uh, we do not only need grace alone at the beginning of our salvation, but we need grace alone all the way into glory. Uh, This is why I like... uh, John Newton's famous hymn, Amazing Grace. In the first stanza, in the first verse, he says, Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. And later on, he says, And grace will lead me home. Beginning from our salvation, beginning from the day that God enabled us to believe in him, We need grace upon grace all the way to the last day when we shall enter into glory. But also, very important to remember that uh, the source of true grace is Christ himself. This is why John tells us that in Christ is the fullness of grace. And from him we have received grace upon grace. The Bible shows us that there are two types of God's grace. First is what the theologians called common grace, common grace. And we see an example of common grace in in Matthew chapter number 5, verse 45. And there we read Jesus Christ speaking. He says, your father in heaven makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the wicked. That's God's grace there. He sends his rain on the wicked. When rain is falling, God doesn't say, well, that person is a sinner. 
rain, do not go there. He doesn't do that. He pours the rain on all fields of believers and unbelievers. That is God's common grace. But so you, you see people who are not believers, but they have amazing talents. You wonder, wow, how could he or how could she do that? Well, that's God's common grace. Uh, consider things that we are enjoying in our daily lives because of God's common grace. For example, I don't know the one who first manufactured the first car. I don't know if they were a believer or not. But maybe they were not a believer. But today I can drive and benefit from the talents of someone who is not a believer or who was not a believer. And that is God's common grace. Uh, this technology here in the studio, we are using the mic, we are using the computer to record this episode. I don't know if the one who invented the mic or who invented the computer was a believer. I don't know. But here we are benefiting from his or her tenants. So all that shows us God's common grace. The second type of God's grace is what is called God's special grace. This is the saving grace. And we see uh, an example of this in Titus chapter number 2, verses 11 to 12, where we read, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So here we see God's special grace. As Titus tells us, it is a saving grace. It brings salvation. God's common grace does not save. People can receive God's common grace and not be saved. But once they are given God's special grace, they are going to be saved for sure. But also you notice there, God's grace, special grace, continues to train us, to teach us, to renounce and godliness. Again, a very good point here because one of those arguments that are raised against the doctrine of grace is that when you preach that grace is a means of salvation, that God saves us by grace alone, then you are giving license to people. They will say, well, then I can just sin as much as I want. I'm saved by grace. But that is a wrong understanding of God's grace. Because as we see here in this passage, Titus tells us that this grace does not only save us, but also teaches us to say no to ungodliness. In other words, it trains us to be more and more like Christ. And really, this is what Reformation was all about, that for us to be saved is by grace alone. It's not anything else. Again, here, the main point of debate was the sacramental system, right? Uh, that through the sacramental system of the church, people could receive God's grace. And uh, that grace will enable them to be saved. And the Reformation says, no, actually, the grace of God is undeserved. So, Pastor Confex, according to Scripture, what are some ways 
through which God grants the believer His grace. In the Reformed tradition, we use the term means of grace. And、uh, really, what this means are the things that the Lord has established in His Word, and that as we are doing them, He grants us the grace through them. So, the means of grace include reading God's Word, and more importantly, the preaching of God's Word, prayer, and the sacraments. And we have two sacraments、uh, baptism. And the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion, these are the means of grace that are clearly embraced by the Reformed faith. Now, when we talk about these means of grace, we are not saying that automatically by doing them, then you get God's grace. That's not what we are saying. The Reformation was very clear here to say that actually it's when you are coming to receive these means of grace by faith. And not putting your faith in them, but putting your faith in God, trusting that He's able to give His grace through these things that He has established. So, Reformation was very clear to say that、um, these things, in and of themselves, cannot give grace at all. And actually, that was the key difference between、uh, the Protestant Reformation. And the Roman Catholic Church to say, yes, we accept this as means of grace, but it's not in and of themselves that they are giving us grace. But God, in His mercy, is working through,、uh, through them. And we do not place our faith in these things, we place our faith in Christ, and it pleases Christ to give us His grace through these things. So, dear believer, you should be encouraged、uh, to know that、uh, your salvation began by grace. And it's being sustained by grace, and it will be brought to completion by grace.、Uh, it's not necessarily anything that you do that makes God to pour His grace upon you. Yet, yet, they are means of grace, and the Lord calls us to use them faithfully and in trusting, completed work of Christ to say, Well, God is able to give His grace. Through these means by faith. This also is where we leave it for today. Please email us your thoughts about the program and any questions you may have. You can email us on atreformed at gmail.com. atreformed, one word, at gmail.com. You can also inbox us on all things reformed podcast page on Facebook.